But it is a, we are so glad to be here, and uh, thank you again, Brother Hooker, for allowing us to come. Uh, probably uh, one of my favorite preachers is, is Brother Bob Hooker, and I uh, enjoyed him so much at college. And remember as a student in college, uh, when, when Brother Hooker walked out on the platform, we knew it was going to be a good chapel. And uh, always, always encouraged us, encouraged me, and just, uh, just his spirit, and just, just so many times, you know, as a Bible college student, you, you kind of wonder, you know, can I make it another day, you know, and Brother Hooker, you preached so many times, and just really uplifted me, and motivated me, and helped me, you know, really encouraged me, and helped me in so many, <clears throat> in so many ways. Well, they told me, or they asked me about going on tour and said I'd be taking the, the, uh, the big girls group. And uh, so I got a little worried about that. I thought, well, how are we going to fit in that shuttle if it's the big girls group? But, uh, of course, it's not, it's not uh, the size, but it's the number of them. We've got uh, six, six or seven. I get confused sometimes. Six, six young ladies traveling, but, uh, but they're a joy to be with. Of course, I may not say that two weeks from now, but, uh, but they have been a joy these last couple of days, my wife will travel. My wife and I will travel two weeks, and then another another preacher will take take over. And uh, then the end of the summer, my wife will get to go with another tour group to the northeast. And uh, so we're looking forward to that. Second Timothy chapter number two in your Bibles, if you would please. Second Timothy chapter two, and I want to read a few verses here. We'll begin reading in verse number one. Second Timothy chapter two. And I want to begin reading in verse number one. And uh, I will tell you, I'm not a, uh, not a long preacher. And uh, so usually an hour and a half is about max. So uh, we will be done by, by 8 o'clock, I, I assure you of that. Uh, but uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible says here in verse 1, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. I want to pray, and then we'll get into the message tonight. Father, thank you for God's people. Thank you for a place to congregate, meet, and talk about the things of the Lord. And Lord, we do pray that you would meet with us. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak through me and help me as I deliver a message you've laid on my heart. I pray that uh, you would uh, bless your word as you promised you would. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what is going on here and the gospel that is being promoted and, and, uh, and preached. Bless us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The more mature a person becomes, the more he realizes what is really important in life. Immature people are consumed with accumulating things, but after a while, all those things lose value. And I think the older a person gets, you begin to realize that all these things and all this stuff that we've accumulated, either it wears out 
it rushed out and we wind up putting it out in our next yard sale or our next garage sale because at that point it really didn't have the same value. And the question is, what is built to last? And the truth is, nothing really in this life is built to last. Everything is just stuff. It's stuff that, uh, that is going to, to burn someday. It's stuff that, uh, that we'll get rid of someday. And there is a, an unbelievable amount of time and energy that is given to things that do not last. Um, I'm amazed at how many, how many couples will work two jobs, that both the husband and the wife will work full-time jobs and sometimes two or three jobs to live in a house that they hardly get to live in and to have things that they really don't get to enjoy because they're so consumed with working and making money and buying things that really have no true value. It's said that the storage unit in business industry brings in more revenue than the entire music industry. That's hard to believe. And the reason I know, and I, don't, you know, I, I say it's true, but, but I read it on the Internet, so it, it's, it's got to it's be true because we believe everything we read on the Internet. But, you know, the more spiritually a person becomes, the more he realize, realizes that life is not about what I possess on earth, but more about what I leave behind. I want to ask you a question tonight. What kind of mark will you leave in this world? What kind of mark will you leave? What will be left when your life is no more? Will it only be a home, maybe some money in the bank to pass on to your children or grandchildren? Will it just be a few things or will you really leave something behind that really matters? Tonight I want to preach a message that, I call, that I'm, I'm calling Built to Last. Built to Last. Because my goal as a Christian is I want to build a life that will last. It says in Hebrews, talks about Enoch and how, how it says he uh, dead yet speaketh. I was thinking this morning, we were talk, I was talking to Brother Tony Moore this morning about Brother Hiles and, and the, the legacy of Brother Hiles. And it's just, it's unbelievable how you cannot go anywhere in this country and even around the world where you don't find the influence of Jack Hiles. And truly, he built a life that is, was built to last. And he still speaks. And we don't hear him and we don't see him, but his life still speaks. His influence is still being, being spread throughout the world. And tonight, I want to talk about how we can build a life that is built to last. And I want to draw your attention back to 2 Timothy in verse number 1 and just give you a few things that I promise that I won't be long tonight. But I do want you to think about this because I feel like so many, and especially young people perhaps, have really... Have a, have a warped perspective of what really is important. And, and, and really, some, somebody has to, to instruct and train and teach our young people that you really need to live for some things that count and live for things that matter and, and not waste your life just accumulating, accumulating uh, things. And so the first thing I want to say in this, with this thought about building a life to last, the Bible says in verse number one, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the first thing I want to say here is that God gives us a command to be strong. 
to be strong. And every Christian needs to have this idea that, that God wants me to be strong. The word strong does not mean to try harder or to draw from your own strength by gritting your teeth or flexing your muscles. I remember as a, as a, as a teenager, I, uh, I got a uh, bench press and, and I wanted to lift some weights in the basement of my home and I set up a, a little bench there and I had some, some, some free weights and, and uh, you know, I was going to be the next uh, Mr. Atlas, you know, and, and, uh, and so you know, I would just, just mess around and do some things. Well, I remember one time I was in my basement and I was lifting weights, I was on the bench and, uh, and, I, and, and I didn't have a spotter and, uh, and I was just down there by myself, you know, and doing some reps, you know, well... I got to the point where that weight was a little bit too heavy. And I don't know how much weight I had on there, maybe three or 400 pounds. I can't remember, <laughs> remember now, but probably more like 50 pounds. I don't know. But, but I got to that point where I could not lift that bar off my chest. And, and that was a mistake. So young people don't do this. Uh, but I was alone in the house, and, and, uh, and I couldn't call out to anybody. I couldn't cry out from anybody. And, you know, that word strong there doesn't mean just try a little harder. You know, just grit your teeth and really put your all into it. That's not what that, what that word means. And I remember being stuck down there. And, and fortunately, I didn't put the, uh, the caps on the end, the little lock. So I just slid off one side. And as soon as those fell off, of course, it flew over on the other side. And I'm here to I live to tell about it. But, uh, but the word strong in that verse means to be empowered. It means to be empowered. It's a strength that comes from outside our, uh, of ourselves and is found in Jesus Christ. It is finding strength in God's resources. You know, tonight God has everything that we need. God has everything that we need. Now think about this. What are your needs tonight? What is it in your life that, that you, where you have a need? Let me tell you, God has what we need. God has it. God has the understanding that we need as we go through life. God has the wisdom we need. And, and boy, who doesn't need wisdom? Boy, who doesn't need wisdom as we face the challenges and the struggles and the, and the decisions of our day and the decisions of our life? We all need wisdom, and God has it for us. Everything that we need, God has it. We need love. We need faith. We need patience. We need courage. We need power. We need God in our life. And God has everything that we need. Think about it like this. Our life is like a, like a power drill. And you know, with, with that power drill, if it's not plugged in, it's useless. I mean, if you wanted to, to hang a picture on a wall and you took that power drill and, and uh, wanted to screw something in the wall... Well, you could pull that trigger all day long and really wouldn't get very much. And you could try, you know, turning and using like a screwdriver, but that'd be kind of foolish. Because really all you would need to do is just plug it in. And you know, when you plug it in, it gives you all the power and all the strength that you need. And that's what, that's what God is. That's who God is. God is our strength. He's our resource. And the only thing that we need to do is plug into him. But so many Christians are going through life like, I don't, I don't need God. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need his word. I don't need his church. 
I don't, I don't need preaching. I don't, I don't need teaching. I can do this on my own. I can do this by myself. And I want to say, time out. Hey, hang on. We need God. We need the Lord in our life. And, and we need to plug in to God. We, we, every day of our life, we need to plug into God, and there needs to be a, 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 an understanding that I need God in my life. You know, God is so much better. He can do things so much better than I can. You know, he's got so much wisdom and knowledge, and, and, and he's, just, he, he, he's God, and we have access to God. But how often do we plug in? How often do we spend time reading and trying to understand his word how much time do we spend praying you know the disciples said to christ they said teach us to pray you know what's interesting he didn't they didn't say teach us how to pray they said just teach us to pray you know and sometimes i think we get we get we get bogged down with well i don't know how to pray and i don't know all you know god says i just want you to pray just pray just talk to me. Just communicate with me. There's not a right or wrong way to pray. You've got the Holy Spirit that lives in you, and, 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 and you're a Christian, and, and God understands your prayer. But he, he just wants us to pray. And when we plug into God, we have a, 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 an amount of, of wisdom and understanding and, and power and courage and patience and everything that we need to live this Christian life. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And that word strength is, comes from the same Greek word. It means to be empowered. It means to be empowered. You know, I've, I've, I've done many things in my life in my own power. And, you know, those things that I tried to do in my own strength and my own power just don't seem to ha have the same effect. I've tried going soul winning in my own power. I've tried preaching in my own power. I've tried to serve in my own power. I've tried to be a husband with my own power and strength, my own wisdom. And those things, just, just, it just doesn't work out well. But when I plug into the Lord and I plug into God's resources and I meditate on the word of God and I and and and, and by the way, coming to church is so important. And I commend you for being in church on a Sunday night. Thank you for coming to church because you being here is a, is an expression of your saying to the Lord, God, I need you. I need you. I need you. I'm, I'm not I don't have so much going on in my life that's more important than plugging into God and. When you come to church, you plug into each other and, and you encourage each other. And boy, how important, how important that is. And so, number one, if we're going to build a life to last, we must be strong. We must be empowered. The second thing I want you to notice here is that to build a life to last, we need to have multiplied influence. If you look at verse number two, it says, In the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Now Paul is writing from prison. And he expects his life will end soon. And his message is to Timothy. And, and the message is, Timothy, I want you to not only take what, you, what you've been given. I want you to apply everything you've learned from me. But more than that, I want you to pass it on. Not just take it and receive it and hang on to it, but pass it on. Amen. 
and then teach the next generation to do the same thing. Not just receive and take and, and take in, but to receive, take in, but then give it out. Pass it on. And, and, and if your life is going to last, if your life is going to matter, then you un- we need to understand the, the idea of, of influence and, and, and multiplying our influence. One way to influence is by our example. I think parents and grandparents have a great responsibility to set, set an example for their children and grandchildren. You know, I, as... As a bus director and bus captain, it grieves me. I, I, every, every Sunday we bring thousands of, of young people from, from Chicago to our church in Hammond. And you know, it's sad, but many, many of those young people that come to church are being sent to church by their parents. And little kids are getting on the bus and mom and dad are sleeping in bed. And little kids are coming to church and they're learning the word of God and they're getting saved. And, and it's wonderful and it's great. But I tell you, when those kids get to be about 14, 15, 16 years old, you know who they start looking to? They start looking at mom and dad. And they wonder, how come mom and dad don't go to church? How come, how come is, is, is church only important for little kids? Is it only important for teenagers? Is it not important to, to me as a Christian when I become an adult? And boy, I tell you, it's a challenge to, to help these young people transition into, into adulthood and still be in church, still living for God. Why? Because they don't have the example. They don't have the example in their home of godly people who are setting an example. We need to set an example by walking with God. We need to set an example by being a soul winner and witnessing and passing out tracts and trying to help people know the gospel. We need to set an example by righteous living and having a Christ-like spirit and having love and concern for other people. And everyone in this room needs to understand that, that somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. I remember I was a freshman in, in college. And uh, boy, I tell you, my freshman year, I was 17 when I went to Bible college. And I was 1,000 miles away from home. And it was just the whole experience, college experience was, was new to me. And uh, my first weekend, I got on a bus route, and, and uh, we woke up. I don't know. They, they wanted me to go to a prayer meeting at 630 in the morning. And I lived at Baptist City my freshman year, and which is about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes from the, from the school. And so I got up about 530, and, and, uh, and, and, and this is Saturday morning. You know, this is not what teenagers do on Saturday morning. <laughs> you don't wake up at 530 in the morning and go to a prayer meeting. And, and uh, so I went to a prayer meeting and then went to a bus meeting, and then they took me to Chicago and and, uh, and I thought, you know, about noon, you know, we'll probably be done, head back to the college, you know, and we'll go play basketball in the gym or something. But 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, we're still in Chicago. 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, we're still in Chicago. Got, finally got back to my dorm room about 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock that night. And then Sunday morning, uh, the, the, my, the uh, bus driver wanted me to go with him to go pick up the bus. You know, that's, that's even worse because you got to be there like a five o'clock, five thirty in the morning to go get a bus and and then you're on the bus all day long and and uh, of course, you know, at at, at I'm, I'm probably scaring all the teenagers about going to House Anderson, but, but, uh, but then Sunday afternoon, uh, you know, there's hardly enough time to, to, to do anything but go to church, and then Sunday night comes, and then you go back to, the, to, uh, to you know, take the kids home after, after church, and it's just a long weekend, and I remember after a few weeks, boy, I was, I was wore out, and I remember I was in church on a Sunday night, and, and uh, Brother Hiles was preaching. I was sitting over on the left side over here, and where the, some of the teenagers sat, 
and, uh, and I was losing the battle. Uh, I mean, I was trying to stay awake, and uh, boy, I, it wasn't, I wasn't winning that battle, and, and, uh, and I felt someone hit my arm. And they passed a little three-by-five card, and they handed it to me, and it had come from my division leader who was on staff at the other end of the, at the, end of the, uh, the pew there, and he had passed this note down to me, and, and uh, so he hit me real hard and kind of woke me up, and so I, I opened this note, and it said, somebody's watching you. I folded that note up, I stuck it in my pocket, stayed awake the rest of the service. But you know, I learned a powerful lesson that night because somebody was watching me. There were some teenagers that we had brought from Chicago and we told them that, hey, you need to come to church tonight and listen and hear Brother Hiles preach. And I was one of the bus workers and wasn't setting a very good example. You know, somebody's watching you. Somebody's watching you. If you have children at home, they're watching you. You have neighbors who are watching you, co-workers who are watching you. They know you're a Christian. They know you go to church. Boy, how we need to set the right example. We need to set a right example and realize that, that we're living in a lost and dying world and how, how this world needs some light. And they need to find some Christians who are willing to set an example of what real Christianity is about. Had a bus worker one one day, one time who every every uh, every Sunday afternoon, as this little boy got off the bus, he would tell this little boy, he'd say, "Do right." I think his name was Jose, like every other kid in Chicago's name is Jose, you know. And he say, "Do right, Jose, do right." And every week it was just a root ritual, you know. Every Sunday, Jose would get off the bus and he'd say, "Do right, Jose, do right." And I never forget. That worker telling me, he said, you know, one day, he said, I told Jose, as he got off the bus, I said, do right, I said, do right, Jose. And Jose turned around, and he said, you too, brother so-and-so. You too, brother so-and-so. He said, I learned a powerful lesson that day. Yeah, you know, we tell the little kids, do right. We'll tell the teenagers, do right, teenagers. But what about mom and dad? What about the adults? What about me? What about you? And, and how we need to set an example. You know, if you want to build a life that will last, then we need to set an example. You know, another way to have influence is investing in others. You know, investing always costs time and money. You know, if you, if you do any kind of investing, and if you're investing for your retirement or anything, you know it takes time and it takes money. And you know, to invest in somebody's life, takes time and it takes money winning souls is an investment winning souls is an investment people you win to christ people you and, and by the way we ought to pray always god lead me to people that need the lord and give me opportunity to share the gospel because that is an investment and you may not see that person ever again until you go to heaven and you'll realize it was an investment for eternal good Discipling converts is an investment. Loving people is an investment. Writing letters and cards is an investment. Teaching Sunday school, I commend those of you who teach Sunday school and you prepare and you take the time to pray for your students because that's an investment. Thank God for godly Sunday school teachers in my life. I'm so thankful that, I, that my parents took me to church as a child and, and I can go back to so many teachers in my life and, 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 re, and remember that there were, there were critical times in my life and, and Sunday school teachers came through. 
and they taught me the word of God, and they made an investment in my life. Preaching is an investment. Giving and helping others is an investment. Driving a bus. I, I love seeing the buses out here in the parking lot. And, and driving a bus and working the bus route and being a bus worker and bringing people to church. That's an investment. It's an investment. Praying for others is an investment. And I want to ask you tonight, who are you investing in? Who are you investing in? Who is it that you're working with and trying to help grow and mentor and, and disciple and, and help them get to that next level? Because every Christian ought to be helping someone along the way. You know, most of us are here because somebody helped us along the way. And I'm thankful. I'm so grateful for the men in my life and the pastors in my life and youth leaders in my life and, 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 and mentors in my life that helped me along the way. But, you know, at some point in my Christian life, I had to quit only being led i needed to turn back and start leading somebody and every christian needs to invest in somebody else is it easy mm, never easy it's hard work it takes time and it takes money but the investment is for is for eternity the third thing i want to say is if we're going to build a life that will last in verse number three, it says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And the command here is to endure hardness. We must be willing to pay the price. You know, anything that's worth having comes with a price. And as you look at your life and you, and you, you, you evaluate what is most important to you, if it's a good marriage, if it's good children, if it's, if it's being successful, whatever it is, you, you understand that there's a price to be paid. He uses three examples in the passage about uh, a soldier who endures hardship. The example of an athlete who, re who requires discipline and self-control. A farmer who's a hard worker, spends long days. And if you're going to build a life that will last, you must be willing to pay the price. Pay the price. Endure hardness. Do the hard thing. Do what's difficult. Understanding that, that it's not just for this life, but it's for eternity. You know, the Bible tells us that we ought to store for, for heaven. We ought to store, and, and there's got to be a reason for that. There's got to be a reason why God would tell us to lay up treasures in heaven. And it's not the house we live in. It's not the car we drive. None of that's going with us. It's all going to get left behind, but it's the souls we win. It's the life we influence, but we must be willing to pay the price because it's not easy. There's many challenges, and the devil fights, and there's temptation, and, 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 and we must overcome and be willing to pay the price. And then I want to I end with this. If we're going to build a life that will last, then we must decide that we will never give up. Never give up. Verse number 12, it says, If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. A, per a person who denies Christ has given up. And the Bible encourages us, never, ever quit. Don't ever quit. You know, the road is not always smooth. There's bumps in the road. Christian life is a journey. And, and I, I admire and, and, and respect men who don't quit and ladies who don't quit and couples who don't quit and marriages who stay together through thick and thin 
And they just, they just hang in there and they just do the hard thing and they just keep going and they have a resolve never ever to give up because the Christian life is a journey. I remember for many, many years my wife and I and family would travel. My wife's family is from South Carolina and so during the holidays we would travel from Indiana to South Carolina to visit our family at holiday time. It's about an 850 mile drive. It usually takes us, depending on how many children we had at the time, uh, anywhere from... 12 to 18 hours and uh, you know sometimes on on those on those trips sometimes we'd, we'd come and we'd hit construction you know usually about i-65 you know they got some construction going there so we had to slow way down we'd hit potholes when i let my wife drive she gets a flat tire <laughs> i'm in trouble for that one but uh you know it's always something you know it just it just seemed like we never could just get in the car and just drive and never not have an issue. There's always an issue. Kids would argue in the back. Kids would be throwing up, you know, and have to pull over the next rest area and clean up the mess. Be an accident on the road. Always something. But you know, we never left Indiana to go to South Carolina and run into a problem and say, you know what, I think we'll just quit and go home. We never turned around and went back. It didn't matter how, how long it took us to get the tire fixed or to get the car fixed or to get through the traffic or, or whatever the case might be. We always got back on the road and kept on going. And you know, the Christian life is a journey. And it's not always smooth. Sometimes there's potholes. Sometimes there's construction. Sometimes there's accidents in the road. Sometimes there's, there's arguing. Sometimes there's, there's spats. But don't turn around and go back. Don't turn around and go home. Don't go back to Egypt. Just keep on going. Just keep on going. Because when you end your life and you stand before the Lord, you'll realize that it was worth it. It was worth being faithful, staying true, for the example that you left behind, for the legacy that you left behind, because you did the right thing, you didn't quit. I don't know about you, but I want to build a life that will last. I know I'm going to die. We're all going to die. But what will we leave behind? What will we leave behind? Be strong. Be strong. Plug into the Lord. Get, get your empowerment from God. Have influence. Be a good example. Be willing to invest. Build a life that will last. Be willing to pay the price and never, never give up. Never give up. You know, there are some folks that are in this church tonight and you've been coming a long, long time. And I'm sure sometimes you come to church and you wonder, you know, what good is it that I'm here? But you know, there's other people in this church, every time they see you, they're encouraged. Every time they see you, they, they, it, it encourages them and it helps them. And just your presence means so much. It means so much. Let's decide tonight, I want to build a life that will last. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God and